Hey everybody, it's been a while. Steve's had some uh, work to do, some inner work to do as far as physical health and clearing some space and you know, it's all well and good. I hope you're doing the same and I hope you're finding yourself as well as you can be on this evening. And as per usual, I've been uh, keeping an eye on world events to a very deep degree. You know, having been able to learn to process it from outside of myself and thus see things much more for how they really are than I would have to say the average person who is so ensconced in systems that that's the automatic perspective because it seems natural. And because we've been using it for so long, it really does seem natural because it feels natural and feeling is, is where it's at. And that's why this whole consciousness, self-consciousness, human ego, mind, transcendence thing is complicated because we can feel okay not knowing we could feel better. We could feel responsible without knowing we could be more responsible. It just depends on our perspective of systems. Are we living within mind-based systems or have we learned to get outside of them? And you know, watching humans over the entirety of my life and especially now the last eight years, I'd have to say that most people, of course, are in the gray area, somewhere in between. Almost everybody I know is an honest, decent human being, but that's a relative proposition with because they're acting for the most part within systems and structures that seem to be right, seem to be working, seem to be helpful, when we know that over time these are actually proving to be harmful to human beings, um, evidence of which is any form of dis-ease that we've brought on as a side effect of having created these systems and now having them run at such a high production rate, growth rate, that the side effect, the collateral damage is that, you know, if we're just in those, we can't feel like ourselves. We feel completely disconnected. And as such, our spirit is left behind. And yet it never goes away. It's always there going, hey, 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 me, look at, I'm here to express myself. What the heck are you doing keeping so busy, paying attention to things that don't matter to you, that you don't really want to do? To which the mind would say, but you know, these things are working. Look at the world. The world is, is running. Everything's operational. And for the mind, that means success. That simple notion means success. And so let's talk about the world. Let's talk about world population. And let's talk about uh, our responsibility within that. Because I do pay attention to everything from the mainstream news, which just, you know, keeps the dialogue of growth and um, human, I would have to say, superiority as a priority without even realizing it. Um, we, we tend to think, and the mind seems to think, that we're first. And so that's how the, the world situation with humans has gotten to where it's gotten in the last few hundred years, ever since the uh, scientific revolution, which is the beginning of us becoming more and more and more ensconced in mind and thinking we can find answers to life's uh, challenges through mind. Some of which is true, but much of which, as uh, you'll hear, is not. And this is where our, our deeper growth as a species is going to and needs to happen. And it starts individually, as you'll hear. So the world is populated with life, period. If we were just to have a look from outer space and see the planet Earth with blue water, green plant life, if that's what someone looking would see. But if anyone could examine it on any level, there would be a vibrancy to it, a warmth to it. There would be an aliveness to it. The earth unto itself is an alive 
entity, an alive being. Now when you zoom in closer, what do you get? You get an examination of what is alive. And it's a wide variety of things, plants, animals, categorized in all sorts of ways by humans, but none of which really matters when you just get back to the fact that everything is alive. And everything is alive because we live on a stable planet with the right atmosphere and conditions. And we grew out of that aliveness as well. Now, how we got here, you know, that's a, a podcast for another debate and day. I'm sure I've touched on it, and I'm not attached to knowing or caring about any particular point of view, whether that's strictly evolution, strictly some kind of intervention by another species with our DNA, or whether it's a combination of the both, or neither. Doesn't matter to me. Fact is, we're here, and uh, we can deal with it. And so within this population on Earth, there's a human population. And we seem to feel, because we are everywhere, that we're the most abundant species as such, and we're the most prolific, the most valuable, the most interesting. Like, unto ourselves, it's easy to think all these things, because if we equate success with more, which is all that our mind does, um, then it, it ticks the boxes. Wow, humans are sure successful. The more of them, the merrier. And yet, without getting overtly into issues of overpopulation and climate um, change, climate control, I'll talk around those without telling you, you know, what is what it is, what I think it is, what I may know it is. It doesn't really matter as much as looking at the broader picture and worrying about and concerning ourselves with, you know, who we are, what we are, and how we act within this system for personal and collective life satisfaction and well-being. It's always all tied together. And again, that's evidenced by the fact that our population has gone from whatever it was, 500 million a few thousand years ago, to almost 8 billion at this point in time, as a result of our human mind being able to think about how to use nature in ways other than is potentially natural. In other words, a tree becomes a house, becomes a ship, becomes transportation, becomes kindling. There's so many things that we've learned to do through our mind, and these are amazing things unto themselves. But they've put us in a position where we live all over the planet. Some of these environments we wouldn't be able to live in without having created certain things. And as long as those things are stable, as long as the power stays on, it all works. And it all seems to work. And so, while many years ago I, I totally thought that there was definitely an overpopulation problem on the human planet, after more research, it became apparent that perhaps it's not an overpopulation problem nearly as much as it's an um, inefficient consumption problem, meaning most of us consume beyond our needs. We consume beyond our means even. And that can be evidenced by the uh, debt-based finance system that has run the structures of the economic world for eons. We take the resources and we pay for them over and over again with ideas of currency that we print on coins and paper. And that seems very real because it looks like there's a tangible exchange happening. And yet something is always in debt for that. And that debt has been, we've used the planet and its resources very uh, severely. And yet I'd say, you know, it's still st sustaining us. So something about this is still working because nature continually replenishes itself. Thank goodness. And yet we keep taking from it and populating the planet in a way that seems unsustainable. Whether it is or isn't, I'm not convinced either way. And I do read arguments about either side. I'm more convinced about our individual capacity for self-sustenance and taking care of ourselves and one another with our basic needs in mind. 
Now, by basic needs, I'm going to say and mean very basic. We need food, shelter, water, and in the right conditions, in living in the right place on Earth, we don't need a heck of a lot more, except the last and most undervalued component, which is connection. Connection to life, connection to other humans, people that we get along with, people that can understand us because they are also human. And we have this human condition thing that has detached us from even knowing what we are. A little ironic that our mind's so powerful and that the last thing it knows and can even approach knowing is who we are and all-encompassing what we are. You have to get beyond the mind for that, like I've done, to be able to step completely outside of what the human species is doing to just see what it is and how it got that way and to be able to see the correlation between you know, economic growth, the growth in technology, in infrastructure, in our mind as we get more ideas and we add ideas to ideas and we expand them within our mind which has almost an infinite capacity to keep knowing, leaning, learning, seeing, observing and then filing information away to use within the mind and within new situations in the world. That capacity is infinite, whereas we, we live on a finite planet, folks. And no science can fix that unto itself. So sustainability is obviously something that is necessary. Not so that we can, you know, stake a claim or proudly achieve what we've succeeded on this planet, but maybe by redefining success as that last component I mentioned about human needs. Connection. And it begins with the connection to self, knowing who you, who you are without having to think about it. And yes, much of this podcast is about exactly that. So you can look to previous episodes for information, for guidance, for my story about exactly what that means. Because that should actually be the starting point in the heart, in the body, in the, in the spirit, in the energy of your being, regardless of how it's identified either... Um, esoterically or scientifically there's a truth that all of you is all of you and yet your mind is just in your mind it's one part of you it's one component knowing that is hugely empowering so that we can uh, learn to use it and learn how it's being used in the world for its own benefit in other words for being valid for being right for um coming up with new ideas new products new information that we get excited about for a second and get a dopamine hit on and so we think it's good and then we return back to our life which is innately challenging when we don't know who we are and we feel stifled <sighs> that's a lot of the human species at this point on to some degree and yet are there too many of us here on this planet because you hear talk amongst the conspiracy theorists the other end of the spectrum of news the cynical ones who i would have to say likely have a bit more of a, a, an insight into reality of the cause and effect I'm talking about with the human species than people just going along and surviving and having a very good life, a solid life. Of course, it's working because the system is working. So this is all dependent upon a system and structure built out of human mind continuing to function. And that, of course, is built on a foundation of the Earth continuing to function, something the mind doesn't really think about or give much respect to because it doesn't know how to feel that way itself. Again, that is one of the deepest topics for another episode, is uh, how our mind is not a feeling organ. It just isn't. And uh, there's no two ways about that. It makes information out of what it senses from your perceptions. And then uh, 
yeah, plays with it from there. But you're more important than that. You are a feeling. You are a connection. You are spirit in body with a mind. As opposed to, you know, mind, body, spirit. As if it's from top down that you are who you are and I and can identify and function in this world. Not not that way, not that close, but they say there's a pole shift happening in the on the earth right now, if you've looked into these things. And that's kind of what needs to happen with humans is a pole shift. You know, instead of uh, head, then heart, I say first with the heart, then with the head. I think I've mentioned this before, but there's a, a book called The Power of One, which is about a young, a young boy in South Africa who's learning to box and learning to find himself and find his strength in the world. And he uh, has a neighbor who's an elderly gentleman who, who gives him some guidance and helps him along the way. And that man's mantra was first with the head, then with the heart. Which sounds like very practical advice. You know, figure out 100% what you want to do, how you want to do it, and then put all your passion and energy into it. But the reason I've flipped to first with the heart, then with the head, is because the heart came first. It developed first within your body. It started working first before your mind truly clicked on and could, you know, process thought and store them away. The heartbeat of life comes first it is going in and through everything it's only humans who have developed such a high highly attuned self-conscious mind that it's become a focus a focal point and for some the focal point and i can point to examples and i'll do that in a future podcast i think i just want to keep this one simple to the point and without um invoking anyone in particular including myself but finding that focal point in the heart changes everything because then you do know why you're here when when you know why you're here because you know who you are which is why you're here you relax an automatic side effect of that state of perception is relaxation and what does relaxation negate anxiety stress depression things that truly begin in the mind when they are unnecessary and what i mean by that is there are necessary stresses and anxieties in life you know you find you're being chased by someone, someone knocks at the door and you weren't expecting someone at two in the morning, you get up, you get stressed for a second because you need to figure out how to react. You need to try and assess quickly what's going on and figure out what the reality of the situation is. But there's more to all this than letting the mind process and react based on what it thinks it already knows. And that is a fundamental body-spirit reaction to life, a core reaction Again, that puts you at a deep place of peace so that even when things like I just mentioned happened, you don't get overly scared, afraid, reactive, because there's no point. You just need to deal with the situation rationally uh, in your mind. Your body knows it's okay until it's not okay. And when the time comes, your instincts take over. And that's the deeper intelligence that's already hardwired is, you know, survival and then thriving and then repopulating. And so if this episode is about anything, it's about validating our individual feelings and right to be here without getting into the mind, which would then make a rational case for, you know, all the successes that it's made over the millennia to get us to this point without actually taking responsibility for the collateral damage, the commensurate side effects of ill health, ill disease, 
people that just feel ill at ease some of the time. Because it shouldn't be all that often that you don't feel like who you are. That's a fundamental natural state of being. And all life on earth experiences it, except humans. And perhaps the odd animal that's domesticated, that's in close proximity to humans, where it also becomes engaged in systems and patterns of thinking based on something it's learning as opposed to just following instincts in a natural environment. But this is the world. I'm not here to begrudge anything, bemoan anything. It's just interesting and coming to be of necessity to point out that this is where we are and this is how we got here. Too much thinking first, not enough feeling first. Because when you start with feeling, you can analyze your decisions with that feeling to truly know what you would choose. And the big choices are very important in this world. It's a busy world. There's some things we can't do anything about on the whole, meaning we need to learn how the systems work and we need to learn to choose a partner, to choose friends, to choose work, hopefully that we enjoy, that aligns with who we think we are, who we feel we are, and take it from there. And if the world was populated by those kind of people, if that had been the uh, the ethos all the way along, I would harbor a guess that there would not be nearly this many people on the planet because consciously deciding when to have kids, knowing what our natural cycles are, knowing what our access to resources truly is based on the environment would allow nature to take its course and population to happen consciously, meaning having children as much on purpose as possible. And yet the world with all these people and billions of animals, 10 times as many animals on this planet, just being farmed for food than there are humans. You know, with all of that happening, we're still here. Air's still being breathed. For the most part, people have access to water, although I'm sure that's going to change very soon. And when that changes, the whole infrastructure of food supply changes. And then we get into a story about, you know, Agenda 2030 and the conspiracy theorists. Uh, which, again, I hold is probably closer to true than um, not and interesting to analyze with uh, the notion that, you know, people of, of wealth, and by that I mean material wealth, not spiritual wealth, people of material wealth on this planet kind of understand that the systems are going to crash because they have to. All this illusion of growth and more has led to, uh-oh, I don't think we can reliably feed everybody. And so we see food systems drastically changing here and very few people having control over that, which is never a good thing. Uh, that's, you know, analogous to your mind being completely in control of you and, you know, dictating every choice about your identity and identities in the world. That would be insane. There'd be no point being here. You'd derive all your feeling from that and you'd have to be on all the time. But that's another story for another day. But thinking about the world population, you know, if the people with wealth know that this is all going to crash because it has to, it has to fold in on, on itself. All this extra disease is happening in the last few years somehow, magically. Uh, whereas, yes, we do have disease on the planet and we have had some ravages in the past. But this one's much more a disease of the mind, of fear, of misinformation. And of the power of the mind to control itself. By that I mean most people agree with what this, the system suggests simply because it appears the system has been working so it appears it's going to just carry on irregardless of the side effect and 
our tolerance is so high that the side effect has to be pretty egregious and death has to sometimes be imminent for us to to look at the system and call it out. And again, analogous to your mind, you calling your mind out on having an opinion about you that's not true and yet repeating it because it seems to get a side effect benefit from it. There's always an analogy, individual to system, because it's the same system. It's the same system. Top down, mind over body and spirit. And these are what the systems and structures of our societies are built upon. And realizing that can help us look at it and see how things are. So, is there a plan to reduce the human population? And if so, how is it going? Well, for me, being able to look at it from the perspective I do, and without judgment, without blame, even for those that are, you know, so offside in causing unnecessary human harm and then not taking responsibility for it, or just plain lying about it, I can see it for what it is, and that's why I'll talk about it this way. Because it does seem to me that the quality of human life, even though there's more of us, has likely decreased a bit over times in the past, irregardless of our life expectancy in the past. Because if you ask most people alive today, they'd probably say, I'd rather live 40 honest, good, happy, loving years, or at least honest years, than, you know, 80, where I'm, 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 I'm in pain at some point half the time. So if we have happy individuals, healthy individuals, how many of us would be on the planet? And in this current population growth, why does it seem like there is so much going on that could um, result in population reduction? And by that I mean people having died of either COVID-19 or whatever is happening with vaccinations or a combination of both. Side effects of that, mental health, other physical issues. Um, and now apparently all of a sudden in a productive world, we've got food crises and food shortages and things burning down in the middle of nowhere with regards to supply price of gas going up which will affect the whole thing um it won't be long before some people don't have food in their grocery stores in an average city in the west and don't want to see that happen but you know this is going to get a lot worse before it gets better and the average person needs to understand so that they can wake up to it and become more self-reliant however they can do that and also minimize their consumption to the point of need over want or habit. And in the process, very likely get healthier. So, is there an optimal human population? Probably not. But it's been discussed amongst the conspiracy theorists who uh, read into things like the Georgia Guidestones. And actually, don't just read into it, but you just have to read Klaus Schwab's book. And you'll understand that they do have some idea about optimization of the human population just based on numbers and um, picking certain people as being more um, valuable than others. And again, that's just the opinion of ego. It's valuing itself. But just knowing that doesn't help when someone can take away all the resources you need to survive on the planet. So this isn't about just the heart winning over the mind. This is about a tipping point that has to happen of more, pe more people who care so much about themselves and others and you know the health of our planet so that we can sustain ourselves healthy in a balanced way in the future. It's about more of those people just living that so that we reach a point where the successes that the structure gets, which is feedback of validation through mon money, through power, um, through just acknowledgement that it, that it exists and is um, dependent upon. Once those structures, those tethers are broken, the system changes because it, ha because it has to. 
It becomes transcended. And I know this because, again, analogous to human mind, in 2014, I went outside of my mind. The tether was severed so that I knew my mind was there, but it didn't, it didn't have to be running, and I didn't have to pay attention to it when it was. It could just be extremely quiet, like the hum of your car in park, in neutral. It's ready to go, but it, it'll be, it'll be a, a consistent harmonic hum that you can live with, and that's a, that is a good base feeling for living until you need to engage your mind. So, I guess I'll have to talk more about this episode. I'm reading a book right now called Sapiens. Very interesting because it speaks to the heart of all of this in a very real way and in a very ignorant way of what we are. The author is extremely intelligent and insightful, insightful, but almost too much because it's almost all ego-based. And by ego, I don't mean he runs around saying, you know, how amazing he is for thinking this and knowing this, but, you know, by virtue of the fact that that's, that is the perspective of the book by Yuval Noah Harari, um, that's what's going to shine. And so I can use this book as a very, very excellent example of understanding the world as it is, but seeing that there's one perspective lacking, and that is, what are we doing? Why are we doing it? How are we doing it? And how do we feel connected to it so that we don't make ego-based choices that always have collateral damage? So, a bit of a scattered ending to this discussion, but um, the takeaway is population. Right now, it is what it is. It's being sustained for better or for worse. Can we do better? Always. How? By being personally responsible for our own health, our own mental health, and discovering who we are and living that in the world and allowing that same respect to others. Doing so without any intention of harm. And, uh, you know, the feeling I get when I have meditated on that is, is overwhelming to see a world populated with a humanity like that, irregardless of the numbers. The numbers are always going to be a side effect. Remember that. Just like your feeling is always going to be a side effect of where are you coming from as your starting point to feeling and then deciding in this world. First with the heart, then with the head. Thanks.